the book of Mark, I'll read the chapter in your hearing, the verses in your hearing from verses 5 to 13. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. You're more than welcome to use your cell phone and to scroll through there. No problems with me. But it's good to hear your Bible's also making a noise. It's also good to hear that. And I'll read from the King James Version, and it says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed the self-same hour. The Lord has a tendency of blessing his word. What do we say? Amen. Amen. We can close our Bibles, we can go home now. You know, brothers and sisters, if only we can depend on the word of God, things will be okay. You know, we come from a week where we prepared for Friday. But Thursday came. Thursday came and it disturbed us. We see the end two is normally a buzzing one, but we discovered that it is more calm and relaxed right now. It is so relaxing. We are so used to that taxi passing by and our fingers and our anger going. You know what I'm saying? We're used to that. But here we discover there's a peace that is surpassing all our understanding. But we also discover that there are people walking on the road going to their destinations. You know, we live in such a time where we can never plan for a perfect ending. We live in a time where we need to say that, Jesus, you help me love the perfect ending today. You help me live the perfect ending so that when you come, I can reflect you in all your glory. You know, when we look at the book of Matthew, Matthew is someone who is very, very interesting. We look at the story and we discover a centurion coming to Jesus. A centurion coming to Jesus with a plea. His servant is sick. His servant is sick. And he discovers something. He has authority, authority to say things, 
to do things, to command things, and his servants listen. You know, but when we look at the book of Luke, the physician, we discover something completely different. Matthew writes it in this way. Let me first take you to how the book of Luke writes it. Luke writes this narrative in the perspective of him sending somebody to go to Jesus as someone who is afraid to go to Jesus. But when we look at the book of Matthew, we discover that the centurion comes to Jesus himself. I need to tell you quickly, the centurion, the place called Capernaum, Capernaum, was known as a village of comfort, a place where comfort was. We discover that this place was all the way, all the way in Galilee. We discover the background quickly. Let me just take you to the background of the biblical text quickly. When we look at the Bible in this perspective, feminists would disagree that the Bible is authoritative, that the Bible has power to move. Why? Because they have the perspective that this book is only man-centered. There's no authority we can get from this because it is written by man and it is for man's mentality. I need to explain it to you quickly like this for a few seconds. That whenever the church needed to exist, that there were people who were always against the grain and pushing against the currency that God was putting in. Let me explain it to you like this even more. The Bible times, they were consisting of elites and non-elites. The elites were 2% of society, the rest were non-elite. Whatever needed to transpire, in order for them to survive and have economical freedom, security, they needed to comply to the 2% in order for them to have peace. And we discover that as the narrative is being dis displayed, as the narrative is being displayed, that there were lots of people through the challenges that the 2% were giving. Let me explain it to you quickly, but let me bring it back a bit quickly. Jesus comes into this story. He comes into the story, let me show you quickly, the fishermen, in order for them to be fishermen, the disciples, in order for them to have that responsibility, they needed permission from the 2% from Rome in order for them to fish. And you know, Jesus comes and he destroys the entire piece that was there. Normally what happens was, in order for you to have that work, you would have the security that is needed based on their approval, the government's approval, and you would be fine. But Jesus comes and he disturbs it and he says, come on guys, man, you must rather be my fisherman. Come and be my fisherman. Something that must give to the economy, Jesus now takes away to show them there is something that I want to give to you. And you know it is amazing, through the lifetime that was happening, through the gospel, the New Testament narrative, we discover that the, the rich people were ill-treating the poor ones. We discover that there were people who were leprous. We discover that there were ladies who were, who were suffering from blood for quite some time. We discover that there were people who were paralyzed. We discover people who were blind. We discover people who could not do anything, who was looking for the Messiah to come and deliver them. 
This is all because of the elites. Let me bring it quickly to, to 2023. We need to be careful, brothers and sisters, that we do not compromise our allegiance to the God of this world for us to have security at the detriment of God's kingdom being advanced. We need to be careful. And I need to explain something to you, that there was a very, very fascinating element that took place there. They were what we called slaves. They were what we called slaves. A slave was someone who was fully dependent on the slave master. In order for the slave to survive, the slave master would give him the authority or the permission to survive. If the slave master was in trouble for murdering somebody, it was the slave's responsibility to take the punishment for the slave master. It was his responsibility. You can just imagine for that slave master's territory to increase, for his financial pocket to, 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 to expand, he would go to the female slave and he would do his business despite the husband's approval in order for things to happen. But here we discover in this narrative that a centurion who is a Roman official comes and breaks the prejudice of society's norm back then. We discover the centurion as someone who was dear to the heart of Jesus, who said regardless of how things are happening within society, I am going to be others focused. The centurion had the tact and had the love of Jesus even though he was in another capacity away from God. Brothers and sisters, we need to be careful that we do not place ourselves at the disadvantage when we have authority and neglect the word of God. When we have a knowledge of who God is, we should not be at the point where we discard or disregard or annihilate others in not knowing who God can be for them. We need to be very careful that we don't do this. And we discover that the centurion comes to Jesus. When Matthew displays this narrative, we discover that the centurion sends a subordinate to Jesus. Someone who he can depend on, who can go to Jesus. And it's amazing as Matthew pens this gospel, he shows us something that the subordinate is someone who is thinking the very same way his slave master wants him to think. In other words, if the slave master has this mind and he says, Lord, my servant, if the slave master has this one, Lord, my servant, lied at home, sick of the palsy, the subordinate, the person that is underneath him, mirrors his thoughts and mirrors his reflection to Jesus. Are we together? The subordinate goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my servant, lied at home, sick of the palsy. And we discover what the palsy is. The palsy is a senseless disease inside the body where he cannot discover what and how he feels because he is paralyzed. And we discover in his paralysis that he is grievously tormented. 
grievously tormented, where he's senseless to pain, he is tormented mentally. Brothers and sisters, we need to be aware that when we face this world and our children are in it, that they should not be senseless to the gospel of God and what God can do. The devil is very, very busy to make us senseless to the feelings of sin. Where we cannot feel the enormity of sin. Where we cannot feel the pressure because it is nice. You know we live in this time where we see the end too. We get into that taxi and we do not care about our lives. The only thing we care about is how much money I'm going to get at the end of the month. We don't worry about our children. We do not worry about their salvation because we are more dependent on am I going to work there tomorrow? We live in a time where we are, where we are sedated, where we are paralyzed to sin because we want to live a life of security and convenience at the detriment of our own soul salvation in Christ Jesus. We need to be very careful. And this is it. He was grievously tormented. He was grievously in pain. And Jesus gives the, the most beautiful answer. He says, I will come. You know, brothers and sisters, when we see our children in a situation like that, when we find ourselves veering off from the path, remember this, Jesus is a coming God. Remember that Jesus is someone that will always come to you. At your lowest point, he will lift you up. He will lift you up. He will place you on ground where no one else can place you on. Because he knows my child is someone who depends on me despite what is going on in the world. You know, brothers and sisters, we need to be very careful that we do not sacrifice our salvation for convenience. We need to be very careful that we don't sacrifice our salvation for security. And by the way, as the gospel narrative is written, the Christians, the Jews, the Gentiles said, in order for me to live a life of security, I must heal to the God of Jupiter. They said it. They loved it. They felt it. They experienced it. They were completely as the blood posts were on the, on, the, on the doors. They were exempted from pain. And the Christian said, I know what Jesus has done for me. I know what Jesus can do for me. I will stand for him regardless of the persecution that will come my way. Because they know that Jesus is a coming God. He is a God who heals regardless of the persecution that they would encounter. You know, as the story continues, he says to him, Lord, I am somebody who is under authority, man. He is not someone who has authority, the centurion says. I am someone under authority. I can say to this man, do this one. He does it. I can say, go there. He goes there. But I want you to remember this quickly. The mind of the centurion is others-centered. We now picture in our mind, as the servant comes to Jesus, we see the centurion staying at home. He's staying at home, 
comforting the very one that is faced with palsy. He is comforting somebody who needs the touch of someone who is known to be ill-treating them. He is comforting somebody who is known to be harboring any resentment towards him. And the centurion is that person who says, I love you regardless of how I'm supposed to treat you. I'm supposed to treat you with disdain. I'm supposed to ill-treat you. When I come into the house, you must stand. When I say it, you must do it. When I say lay down, you lay down. When I say stand up, you must stand up because I am under authority. You know, brothers and sisters, we live in marriages like that. We come from backgrounds like that. We come from families when the partner, when our parents come into the homes, we do not feel the presence of God coming into it at all. We feel the tension of the devil. You know, brothers and sisters, we need to be careful to not be reactive Christians. We need to get to the point where we are proactive, faith-based thinkers. Where we say, hey, I see you've been going through a tough time, my darling. My husband, I see that you're going through a tough time. My child, I see you're going through a tough time. Instead of, yay, tell him I suck his asshole. Yay, pick up that toothbrush there. We should be reminded who we serve. We don't serve a God who breaks down. We serve a God who builds up. Are we together? We live in a world and society where that is the norm that society wants us to have. And they're rejoicing in our disguise, in our demise. They're rejoicing it because that is how it's supposed to be. But brothers and sisters, I must tell you that's a lie. Because where God is, where His presence reigns, there is peace forevermore. What do we say? There is peace forevermore. And I must say this one, when you live a godly life, be aware that you're going to suffer persecution. Be aware wherever your foot walks, someone is going to come to you and say, Hey Muna, <laughs> hey Muna. That's, it's one, that's a word I learned in free state. Hey my brother, <laughs> watch out. Are you with me? The love of Jesus is so wonderful. The love of Jesus is so radiant. And you know why it is like that? It's because they want to have what you have. And brothers and sisters, you cannot give them that. Jesus is the one who can give them that. And this is the centurion. He is someone who is, although he is someone that is supposed to be against Jesus, he is moved by Jesus and he has pity and sympathy for his paralyzed servant. And you know what? He sends the message back. As Jesus says, I will come and heal him. He says this one. He says, Lord, just listen to this one. But speak the word only and my servant will be healed. That is where faith lies. Faith lies in the knowledge that the power of God comes through his word. The power of God comes through what he says. Remember when he says, let there be light and there was light. Remember when he said, come here, waters be still. The power of his word. 
How many of you know the word of Jesus in your life today? How many of you have experienced the voice of Jesus today? Hearing the voice of Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Hearing the voice of Jesus in every line, making each faithful saying yours. More, more about Jesus should be our earnest desire. I know some of you may not want to read the Bible. It's fine. It's okay. Don't read it. Sing about Jesus. And you're going to discover that you're not going to have lyrics and the Bible is going to give you the lyrics. You'll find it there. You'll find something there. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto all nations and then the end will come. I'm singing a song but I'm not saying it. You will find something to sustain you. Because there is power in the word of God. When we discover that our families are broken down, when we discover that we are broken, we must remember that there is power in the word of Jesus. It heals. He may not be with you, but his word can heal you. The same way he did with the paralytic, he healed him in absence. This is the, the lesson I want us to get to. Jesus, after hearing the centurion say this, say the word. He looks back and he marvels at and he tells those guys, Hey, I have not seen such faith. No, not in Israel. The centurion understood where the victory and the power of God was. Do you? Do we understand where the power of Jesus is? Because brothers and sisters, I must tell you this, we are not going to enter into heaven if we do not know the word of God. If we have not heard him speak, it's going to be an unpleasant place to be in. We will regret it. It's going to torture us if we do not know the word of God today. I know that you're not reading your Bible. But I'm going to encourage you to start listening to his voice. When his voice speaks to you, you better listen. I remember a few years back, 2011. Andre, wake up! 4 o'clock in the morning. Wake up. Read Ephesians chapter 4. You're going to cry. Four o'clock in the morning, I woke up, I didn't cry. I went, I went to, the, to the index, checked the Bible, because I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't want to read this book. I grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist, but I didn't want to do nothing with this book. I thought I'm going to cry when I read Ephesians chapter 4, but I didn't cry. Well, Andre, continue reading chapter 5. I didn't cry. Chapter 6, I didn't cry. Andre, go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, I didn't cry. 
Andre, now go to the next book. And I started reading the next book. I couldn't speak the way I'm speaking in front of people. I was as shy as somebody could be. I was a shy guy. It was very difficult for me to speak. And that Wednesday, I stood up in, 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 in uh, what's this, what do we call it on Friday, prayer meeting. And I said, guys, God has spoken to me. And this is what he said I must do. I must do this. And you know what? I've never stopped closing the book. I couldn't stop closing the book. And I started seeing what God could do for me. I could see where I have come from smoking, drinking. I could see where I came from. But when God took me to a place, brothers and sisters, I couldn't even sing or hold a note. I couldn't do that to keep to save my life. You know what God did? He gave me fingers and now I can play guitar and I can sing. Because I was obedient. Why do I say this? Why am I boasting a little bit? It's because that Wednesday night, a sister came to me after church and she said, Andre, I had the same dream, but I didn't listen. And look where my life is right now. Be obedient to the words of God. You know, brothers and sisters, sometimes we have, most of the time, we have to listen to the word of God. We have to be obedient to the word of God. And you know, I discovered in my search for God, I don't even know what the big five was. How many of you know what the big five is, quickly? Raise your hand. You know what the big five is? I thought it was the elephant and that's that. <laughs> I thought it was all of that. And my friend said to me, it's great controversy. It's desire of ages. It's patriarchs and prophets. It's prophets and kings. It's acts of the apostles. And I was, what? I must read all those books. And he says, yes. I went to my dad and I said, Daddy, do we have the books? And a cold porter came a few months before. And my dad hid the Bibles in the, those books in his cupboard. And you know, I saw, saw those books and I said, my world, this is a book, man. I can't read, man. I can't read to save my life. And you know what? I scattered the books on the bed. Literally. And I knelt down in front of those books and I said, Lord, I'm hearing someone say I must read Great Controversy. I must read Desire of Ages, a good book. I must read that book. I must read this book. And now which book do you want me to read? And he said, my son, take Acts of the Apostles, finish the book. And I could finish that book. I used the koki and I could, I could underline that book. Acts of the Apostles. I could read the book, man. I could finish the book. I never thought I could finish. I was obedient to the voice of God. And you know what? I must tell you, I couldn't understand this book myself. King James of all books, I couldn't understand it. And I asked my friends, how do I understand this book? And you know what? Audio verse, audio Bible came out or whatever it is, audio verse. That's where we could listen to stories. Adrian Africa and Leroy Africa. And Adrian Africa, Leroy's cousin, eh? Yeah. From a retreat church. The two of us, we were, we were naughty and we came to the Lord together. And you know what? This is what we discovered. He said, Andre, start asking the book, the Bible, stupid questions. And I was afraid of asking questions at school. <laughs> I couldn't speak to people. I was afraid of doing that. I was too shy. I was way too introverted. 
And you know what? I went started asking the Bible stupid questions. Like this. What? When? Who? Why? Stupid questions for me. And I did it. I went to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Let me show you quickly. I would not go to Genesis chapter verse 1 verses chapter, um, chapter 1 verse 2. I wouldn't go there until I understood verse 1. I'm going to test you now to see if you know it. Ne? Uh, this is how I ask stupid questions. Are we together? Now I'm going to ask you quickly. Okay? You ready? I'm going to tell you the verse. I can, I can remember it now. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Stupid question number one. For me, it's, it was stupid. Who is God? Answer. He's creator of what? Are we together? Stupid questions and powerful answers came. Who is God? He's the creator. When did he create the heavens and the earth? When? In the beginning. Who created the heavens and the earth? God. Who is God? The creator of the heavens and the earth. What did he create? The heavens and the earth. And then I started understanding, okay. So I need to start asking questions. I need to start reading the word. And you know, it started coming. It became alive, man. It started speaking to me and I wouldn't stop reading the Bible. I would go early in the morning, take a train to St. James Beach there and I would read the Bible because it started speaking to me. It started relating to me. And I could see that I don't wrestle against principalities or powers. I could see that one. And I could see, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And the answer came, I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. Brothers and sisters, you've got to test God's word. You've got to test him so that you can see how he appeals to you. How he applies himself to you because there is someone outside who is waiting for your testimony. Someone outside who is waiting to see how God moved in your life so that they can come to a knowledge of who God is. You know why? Because he said to them in verse 11, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you want to be there? You do not want to be in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of your teeth. You do not want to be at the place where you are cast out because you said you knew God, but inwardly you never knew His voice. Do you know the voice of God? Do you understand the voice of God? And if you do, this is what will happen. People will come to a knowledge of Jesus because of you. They will not do it in their own strength. You will not do it in your own strength because you understand this. And this is what you understand. All your goodness is hidden under the dust 
and God does things which is impossible for anybody to do. He lays your glory under the dust. And he does this in John 15. And he says, abide in me and I in you. And you will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus points out the powerful message. He points out that through the life of the centurion, his life is reflected because Jesus becomes the slave, the servant for us. He becomes the person who takes our punishment. He is the person who is guilty for our guilt. He is the one who has said it is finished. Because he had you and me on his mind. He understood what we are going to face in 2023. But he says, my child, do not despair. I've got you. I understand what you're going through. And you know what, brothers and sisters? When we come to the Lord on behalf of somebody else, Jesus, listen. When we come to God on behalf of our husband, on behalf of our wife, on behalf of our grandparents, on behalf of our children, on behalf of our neighbor, he is always willing to listen because he sees himself reflected in you. He sees his love reflecting through you. Brothers and sisters, my encouragement to you is do not stop doing well. Do not stop surrendering your heart to the Lord. Do not stop singing that beautiful song in the morning when you recommit your lives to Jesus. Don't stop smiling when you see somebody. You know why? It's because Jesus is the one that is saturating himself in you and making you so fat of his love that when people sees him, you know what? When they see you, they see him reflecting. Mildred once wrote that beautiful poem, and she said, Lord, make me a nail upon the wall, hanging your beautiful picture in its place, so that when travelers pass by, they may see you and me a mere nail, hanging your beautiful picture in its place. Brothers and sisters, we've got to be that nail for somebody so that when they see Jesus when they see us they experience Jesus you know a few years ago it was very difficult for me to it's still difficult <laughs> we know in our, in our experience sorry my time is up ne? yeah almost up I've got two hours ne? <laughs> so this is what happened I'm sorry if my, my voice is a bit boring, but I'm going to end it now. This is what happened. We know we're living in the pride. We lived in the pride month last month. Ne? <laughs> we were in a pride month. Looking at the rainbow today, it's very perverted in our minds. Ne? It's very hectic when you look at the rainbow that God has promised because now it's LGBTQ+. You know it's sinful, ne? that practice. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. We know that. It was very difficult for me, I knew who God was, to go and talk to a gay guy. It was very difficult. 
You know what then God said to me, Andre, you are going to make time to go and reflect on, God, on my goodness to that gay man. That man was very gay. He was so gay, he was so extremely gay. When we would play cricket, he would just, you know what I'm saying? He was gay. He was, your man was, it was hectic, man. And you can imagine how, how difficult it was for me to even hit the bat. Because the man was watching, he was, it was perverted in his mind, it was toxicated in his brain, he was gone. And God said to me, Andre, that man is sick, that man is gone, but you need to find a way to witness to that man. Sure, that was difficult. That was very, very hard, I must say, it was very difficult. It was so difficult that I had to pray very hard. I took my manual scissors, there in Cav the Retreat. I took the manual scissors, and I went to their garden, and I started cutting. Like a muscle for Christ. Cut the grass from the left to the right intentionally. Follow me. So that the lady inside the house, not him, so that she can come out of the house and work from the right to the left, and me from the left to the right, so that when we get to the middle, we can pray. Uh-huh. That's what I did. Knowing that he's coming at 5 o'clock, he'll come around the corner to go home. Are we together? We're on the same page, man. This guy, eventually, I got it right to go into the room. Got into the room. And I could open the beautiful writings of Ellen G. White. I could read this day with God. I could open it up and he could talk to me about God. My fears that I had disappeared because God was navigating the ship. And you know what? This man gave his heart to the Lord. And he died. Went to his garden, knelt down, got up the sand, heart attack, and he died. Brothers and sisters, let's not be too afraid because somebody's soul is waiting for you so that when they die, they can die in Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to end it now. I'm going to end it now. As Belleville Seventh-day Adventist Church believed, so be it done unto you. Whatever challenges that you may have, listen to this one. Jesus will heal you the very hour. Whatever challenge you may be going through right now, Jesus is willing to heal you this very hour. Are we together? Are we together, brothers and sisters? I'm sorry that my voice is so boring, but this is what I want you to, to, to see. Jesus is coming back. Jesus loves you very much. An Afrikaans in the clear lang slang sal ek sê, smaak jou stikkend. I smack you with a passion. Fred Gap's passion. <laughs> he loves you intimately. And he's not willing that this church, who knows him, should be cast out the same way the Jews were. They knew him, but they weren't prepared. Are we together? It was people from the outside, like the centurion, who knew him because they knew his. What was the word? With a V. 
What is it? Let's, let me hear. What, what was the word quickly? It starts with a V. It ends with the E. Voice. I want to hear you say that. They knew his voice. Do you know the voice of Jesus today? May God bless us.